0: Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org.
1: And this is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. We're going to move right into our second guest. Uh, The school's chancellor for New York City, the Department of Education, is Richard Carranza, and he joins us now on the line. Uh, Chancellor Carranza, you're on with Ben Max from Gotham Gazette and Jarrett Murphy from City Limits. Thanks for joining us here on WBAI. Thank you very much for having me. Good evening. And as we... um, jump into this transition to remote learning and the big shock to the school system that you run for over one million students and obviously many thousands of teachers and school personnel. Uh, just give us a little sense of what your your sort of day-to-day or your day-to-day in this new reality looks like.
2: Every day is uh, different, just like mm-hmm. um, I would say for all of our 1.1 million students and their families and our teachers and administrators. So the two words that I've really been emphasizing for everybody is number one, uh, flexibility, and number two, patience. Uh, Because what we don't want to do is shove a traditional classroom day or a traditional school day into a remote learning environment because it's just not gonna work. Um, So what we're doing is really emphasizing flexibility, patience, um, but I will tell you, I've been very impressed with what I'm seeing and hearing from the field in terms of how creative our teachers are being, uh, how adaptive our students and their families are being. Um, our our central staff is working literally around the clock at uh, curating uh, resources for teachers to have as they uh, develop lessons and engage with students. Um, we have uh, partner organizations that are coming to the table and working with us as well. Uh, I'm happy to report that uh, as of uh, this Monday, we delivered uh, Wi-Fi enabled devices to all students in temporary housing. So kids, uh, homeless kids have devices. Uh, we've got another shipment coming in and we've prioritized students that are in poverty and students in foster care. So it, it, things are rolling out. Um, that one last thing I'll say is even with the best intentions and the best laid plans, we just understand, you know, we're, we're flying the plane as we're building it. So, you know, the flexibility part is that not everything's gonna go perfect, but we'll find a way to make it better. And I think everybody's working with that spirit right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of the New York City Department of Education.
0: Uh, Chancellor Carranza, this is Jarrett Murphy from City Limits. Uh, I have to full disclosure, I'm the parent of a New York City public school, high school sophomore, and a third grader. And one thing I know parents have talked about amongst themselves is trying to figure out what's the goal for this exercise, um, You know, assuming it could go to the end of the year, what is your goal? Is it is it the same educational goals you had before the COVID crisis? Are they different? Are they lower? Are they broader in some ways? What do you think is the target you're trying to hit?
2: Yeah, so, Jared, that's a really good question. I appreciate you asking the question. And thank you, by the way, for being a parent of a public school student. Um, so there are actually, believe it or not, school districts that have gone out um, out of session across the country that are doing absolutely nothing to academically engage their students. Uh, They're just out of school. Uh, And in New York, that's just unacceptable. There's no way we're going to let students not be academically engaged, not be uh, connected to their schools and their teachers. So I think it's also, you know, if you think about what happened in a matter of uh, one week, we took every school in, for example, in Los Angeles, uh, add to that every school in Chicago, and throw in all the schools in Boston. That's New York City. And we, in one week's time, converted from uh, an in-classroom teacher-based model of instruction to a remote learning uh, model, where teachers had to teach differently, organize differently, students learn differently, uh, and then address all of the equity issues around um availability of devices and the availability of connectivity Um, so I think it's impossible to say it's going to look exactly the same as before this transition to remote learning now that being said uh, I can tell you that I have ample evidence and examples that I'm seeing every day of teachers having just as high expectations for their students working just as hard or harder to make sure that they're engaging their students Um, but then Uh, Also, having a healthy dose of realism that, you know, the grading is going to have to be a little more uh, robust and different. Uh, 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 Submission of assignments is going to probably have to look different. Uh, And then adapting to those differences while still holding the same high standards for students. So, I would say that we still want students to have quality, quality experiences. We want students to be academically challenged. But we also understand that in this new environment, you know, every every day we're going to get better. Uh, I'm talking about the grand week and that uh, every week we're going to continue to develop our uh, remote learning muscle in terms of making the learning as as robust as possible.
1: What's from from your perch? You have such a a wide variety, of course, to to worry about. You have everything from pre-K students through seniors in high school. So there's such a variation Um, but let's just sort of land somewhere that's always so important and, you know, so tumultuous. Let's just sort of, let's take seventh grade or eighth grade if you want. Um, just, just talk us through from the DOE, from your, your perspective, what are the expectations for, let's say, um, what a seventh grade student should be getting out of a a day right now? What should schools be having their seventh graders do?
2: Yeah, great question. I'm going to, if you don't mind, just a little friendly amendment. I'm also going to talk a little bit about with seniors, because, you know, we want to be optimistic, you know, April 20th, we come back, but I also want to be very realistic. And given the way the the social spread and the community spread of this virus is happening, uh, there's a real possibility we could go well beyond April 20th. So we're also really concerned about our seniors. We want to make sure that they're accumulating credits. We want to make sure that they're still meeting all the requirements for graduation. We want to make sure they're still getting their career in college guidance as they're applying for universities and colleges and post-secondary opportunities. So um, all of those things are really, really important for our seniors as well. But for a seventh grader, what, what I don't want is a seventh grader, to you have an experience that says, okay, you have to be online at 7.30 a.m. or 8 o'clock a.m. because first period starts at 8.10 and then second period starts at 9 and then third... That's ridiculous. There's no way that, with this particular circumstance, we can have a traditional schedule because we know that that seventh grader may be taking care of their fourth grade brother and their third grade sister. Well, mom and dad are out, you know, working. So we need to be flexible. And so what what I'm expecting that seventh grader to get, though, is a daily check in with their teacher or one of their teachers. Because in seventh grade, middle school, they're going to have a number of teachers. Right. But somebody should be making contact with that student every day, so that we know. And and by the way, that's part of our attendance taking process. We know that that student's okay. They're engaged. That student should have a variety of experiences. So that student should be able to, with the guidance of their teacher, log into their Google Classroom. And on that Google Classroom, they should have a number of lessons or experiences or links that take them to different experiences. So for example, for English language arts, uh, what if they log in and are able to use a discovery app where they go to the Smithsonian and they have a guided, guided tour uh, looking at, um, let's just say artifacts from the uh, ages. Uh, and then as they go through that guided tour, there's a series of questions. And then at the end of that tour, they have to write a three paragraph little description of what did they see? What were they looking for? What did they find? That, I think, could be a very rich experience for for seventh graders. By the way, that's actually happening with some of our schools and our middle schools. And then for physical activity, they can log in to a a Google Classroom where their PE teacher is going to take everybody on a virtual exercise uh, calisthenics uh, routine. The teacher in his or her classroom, students logged in, okay, here we go, and you're moving. And then from there they can get. I mean, those are the kinds of experiences. And not all six, seven classes every day, but every other day you have an English language arts. Every every other day you have a mathematics, and you're logging into the Khan Academy and doing specific work, work, um, not worksheets, but work problems, so that students are remaining actively engaged, following the state standards to the best of their abilities, and teachers are pulling the resources without them having to spend all night looking for the resources. They log into their uh, teacher hub and they're able to log into those resources and just pull them and drop them into their Google Classroom uh, as links for their students. That's the kind of experience that I want our students to be able to have. That and one more thing. There are a number of our schools, for example, that have done virtual spirit week uh, this week. So Monday, everybody wore their college or where they aspire to go to college. On Tuesday, everybody did a pajama day. On Wednesday, so those kinds of things, even virtually, that students and families can stay engaged in also helps with the social emotional learning aspects of staying connected. And I think that's one of the biggest, <laughs> sorry, that's one of the biggest challenges we have, but opportunities to not only keep students academically um, engaged, but also to keep them social emotionally engaged. Because it's hard being
0: at home all day. Chancellor, I'm wondering looking at the calendar, and this is something parents obviously have been talking about, is there a point at which it doesn't make sense to come back? I mean, April 20th, if that were to be a day, you could come back. that seems to that seems to work. You got plenty of time basically two months between then mm-hmm. and the end of the school year. but is there kind of a, a point of no return where if students were still out because of the crisis, um, it would not be sensible to return to the classroom?
2: um i really i really don't think about it in those terms i think that for example we know that we have our uh, i mentioned high school seniors we have graduations coming up in june uh and you know we all know those of us that have uh, gone through graduations that's a focal point that's a life uh, milestone for not only students but families um so even if we were coming back in the beginning of june it, that would be important to come back because we want students to walk across the stage and get a diploma and families to experience that. So I really don't think of it in those terms. I think we are absolutely focused on is making sure that we are tightly aligned with our health professionals, with our commissioner of public health, with the CDC, with the state of New York, because the circumstances in terms of the spread of this pandemic are gonna dictate when it's safe for students and staff to return to school buildings. So I think that's what we're most concerned with. And when, you know, once, once the medical experts say to me uh, and say to the mayor, okay, we, we are now, we've flattened the curve. We are now on the, on the, on the other side of the community spread. Uh, we've got it under control. We, absolutely, we are going to be enthusiastic be planning for coming back. Uh, but again, it's all gonna be driven by what the circumstances are with the, the spread of the pandemic in our community.
0: And so because we don't know the future, one question obviously folks are grappling with is if, if the, the being out of school lasts beyond April 20th, perhaps even if it just lasts that long, how do you handle grading, promotion, graduation uh, for students who are kind of, um, I guess, on the bubble um, in, that, in that period with an extended time learning online out of the traditional classroom? How are you going to approach those kind of questions?
2: Yeah. So we're working through those right now. And, um, you know, some of those questions are locally determined. We get to make th- those decisions, but we don't make them in isolation. So we're working with, uh, our administrators. We're working with our teachers union. Uh, we, we also have plans of bringing in parents, uh, to help, uh, inform what they look like as well, and then make recommendations. So obviously the mayor under a mayoral control the mayor gets the ultimate word uh, on these kinds of things. Uh, But then there are some things that we have to take guidance from the state. The state education department gets to make those decisions. Uh, So we're working very closely with them uh, on some of those decisions. I'll give you an example. So we pushed really, really hard and advocated that given the circumstances and given what we were told the community spread would be around COVID-19 in New York City, that it didn't make sense to keep the state accountability tests in effect this year. And we pushed very hard to say we just need to, we just need to, not do them this year. Um, so it seemed like a very logical request. The Problem is that the state needed to get a waiver from the feds, uh, so that so that they could actually do what we were asking. So it was a process where you know folks in the community were advocating and say, why don't you do something? And and it, it's and I get the frustration. I totally understand, but there are some things that are just processes that you need to engage in. And once we got the okay from the Fed, then the state very quickly that same day said, absolutely, we're not going to do these state tests because we have bigger fish to fry right now. Um, same thing with the regents right now. Same thing with some of the uh, AP tests right now. Same thing with grading policies. Same thing with attendance policies, promotion policies. These are all processes that we need to have, uh, in some cases, a process that we go through, but in other cases, we want to have uh, an informed decision that we have voices from our stakeholders that help us make those decisions as well. So we, we are actively engaged in all of those topics right now, and, and guidance is going to be rolling out almost on a daily basis. And it, it,
1: just on, on that uh, quickly, is is the idea of, of sort of just kind of pass-fail, almost no grading for for this duration of, of remote learning, is that kind of the the decision that's on the table at all, or, or, is everything on the table? I mean, are you thinking about the idea that maybe, you know, just teachers aren't going to be able to give the kind of granular feedback and grades that they often are able to give?
2: Yeah. So everything's on the table. Uh, hmm. and there are no sacred cows. Uh, everything's on the table. Everything's up for discussion. We are an uncharted uh, territory here. So, so uh, we- say, say a little bit
1: more then about the, um, you mentioned, uh, at least once a day every student should sort of be uh interacted with in some way um and you mentioned the idea of attendance say a little bit more because we know obviously as you mentioned there's many students who have younger siblings that they have to help take care of right now there's there are students who's uh who have single parent households where that parent has to go to work right now there's there's all sorts of circumstances where it might be really challenging for students to get um, linked up every day, to, to interact with a teacher. What is the process for tracking students and, and attendance and, and, and then contacting parents?
2: Yeah, so it looks different in different schools. What we've said is that once a day, we need to have uh, an accounting for student interaction. So, uh, I can give you some examples of what I've, I've learned from across the field. So there is one school that I know of that uh, every day the teachers post in their Google Classroom uh, a question of the day. Uh, so when students log into the Google Classroom, uh, they answer the question of the day. It, it, it's not a riddle. It's not, a, it's not very. It's not simple, but it's not. It's not something they're going to spend two hours answering either. But the very act of logging in and then answering that question counts as the engagement for attendance purposes. So we know that that student has logged in, they use their own personal login, they've used their password, they have logged in, they've actually engaged with a question, they've submitted an answer, boom, they're present for the day. We know that other schools, uh, teachers, in elementary school, uh, the teacher every morning uh, does a, a, a morning roll call and they make it fun. Uh, they sing their morning song, and that's where teachers get to see every student that's that's uh, present. So again, it's going to look different, not only based on grade level, um, but also based on schools. And and I got to tell you, schools have done a good job of of making sure they know that their students are still engaged. The other yeah. thing to keep in mind, and this is really really important, is that it's not just for ensuring that we have how many we know how many students attended, quote-unquote, that day. But so what's even more important is identifying who haven't we heard from, who hasn't been identified so that we can then follow up and find out where those students are. Are they okay? Do they need something? Is it a connectivity issue? Is it a device issue? Or is it something else that we need to connect them with services with other uh, governmental agencies? So, and has and that, that contact been that, happening? Well, hey, hey.
1: Has that contact been happening with students that haven't been accounted for?
2: Yes, it has. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, student, and what we have found, thank goodness, is that in some cases, uh, it's a connectivity issue. You know, there's uh, four kids in one house, all of them in different grade levels, and one device. So they have to kind of share the device. Well, that gives us really important information about who gets the next uh, device as soon as we get it. Uh, there's been other issues where everybody in the house is sick. Nobody's sick enough to be in the hospital, but everybody's sick. So it just so happens the high school junior is the one that's taking care of everybody. So we can get them help as well by connecting them with resources as well. So it's been a myriad of things that we have found out.
0: Chancellor Carranza, talking about the virus itself, I'm curious if you have any sense of how many uh, New York City school teachers uh, are ill with it. Uh, and I hope there have no, been no fatalities, but I'd be curious if you know about any any numbers like that. And I guess that raises the question of whether you feel, did you wait too long to close the schools? Did we close all the schools where cases appeared uh, before the full shutdown? Talk about the impact of the virus itself.
2: Yeah, so, you know, we I get this question a lot, especially because NYPD and and, and uh, NYFD FDNY, Are reporting the number of their members that are that are affected and how many of them are sick. Uh, You have to keep in mind that the police and the fire department they're out right now serving the public. Uh, Our teachers are at home, so there is no mechanism uh, except for what we information we get through the Department of Health uh, to even know who is a teacher that has tested positive. Uh, And because they're not in in schools right now actively interacting with other teachers and with students there really isn't that mechanism in place that to track that the difference is our regional enrichment centers so we do have a process in our regional enrichment centers where if 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 god forbid there is a case of somebody testing positive we have a protocol we follow the governor's protocol as well as our health commissioner's protocol the the rec center uh, the mayor has said very publicly, we're not going to shut down these rec centers, but they will be cleaned. They will be deep cleaned and then we will do the tracing with the health investigators to make sure that whoever has been in contact is also being tested and is being attended to and, and quarantined. So we have a protocol in place for that for sure. Now, the question about schools, you know, the, the mayor's got a city of almost 9 million people. He's got every conceivable issue that goes with the largest city in America including the economy and and what do you shut down and when do you shut down again I will tell you I've spoken daily with the mayor I spoke daily with the mayor as this was developing we were very much in the the place of following the lead of our healthcare professionals who were guiding us in terms of how we were addressing these issues I will share with you uh, we had a situation where we had uh, somebody that self-reported And again, we got no confirmation from the state health department, our local health department, but somebody self-reported that a student had tested positive and the parents had come to the school and said my student tested positive for coronavirus. Without any official confirmation, out of an abundance of caution, we closed that school. We closed that school down for 24 hours, we did the deep clean, we sent letters to everybody, and as the health department actually went in and interviewed that student and interviewed that parent, It turns out they were never positive. The student was sick with something resembling the flu a month ago. There was no positive test for coronavirus. It was a false alarm. So, you know, again, we have to be very clear-eyed and sober about how we close schools. And when you close schools, these are hundreds, if not thousands, of parents then that are overnight, in, in an overnight basis, have to make other alternate health voices for their children and care choices for their children. And if they're a first responder or a health care provider, that impact is amplified, you know, by two, two or three times. So again, we want to be judicious, but we also want to be absolutely aligned to making sure kids and, and adults are safe, but we follow the advice of the healthcare
1: profession. Uh, Chancellor, just one nice quick question and we'll let you go. And, and we only have a minute anyway, um, before we have to sign off, but, um, just to, to parents who are kind of stressed at home, you know, if you could sort of speak directly to parents who are trying to limit their kids' screen time but also help their kids um, do the schoolwork that's presented to them, do you have any sort of broad uh, advice to parents who are trying to balance working from home, limiting their kids' screen time, and helping them with their schoolwork?
2: I just want to say to parents, thank you. Um, you know, no, you didn't train to become a teacher or to be a pedagogue, and here you are. Uh, so we want to give you resources. If you go on our website, schools.nyc.gov, right on the landing page, there's Learn From Home. There are resources and guides for parents as well in multiple languages that can help you as well. Uh, but we, uh, we recognize how this is difficult for parents as well, as well as students and as well as teachers. So we want to have as many resources and supports uh, for everybody as possible. But I will tell you this, I don't think I will ever hear again why do teachers need some time off uh, in the summer or why do they need time off at various times of the year. It, when you're with children, uh, you can't slough off. It's an it's, it's a all in, all-in, intensive um, kind of a job. And I want to thank parents for helping to keep uh, students actively engaged.
0: Well, Pardon. DOE Chancellor Richard Carranza, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Max and Murphy, and good luck running the system.
1: Thank
0: you, sir. Stay safe out there. Take care, you too. That was DOE Commissioner Richard Carranza. Uh, You've joined us for another uh, fun-filled hour of Max and Murphy here on WBAI. That's all the time we have. Uh, Our producer is Reggie Johnson. Our intern is Anika Chowdhury. And he's Ben Max. I'm Jarrett Murphy. Follow us at citylimits.org and GothamGazette.com. We're on every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Stay tuned to WBAI and have a great week in the greatest city in the world.